Guys, we are joined today. Uh, we're honored to be joined by Quacking Tiger, senior writer over at Shaking the Southland. How you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. I'm a bit intimidated at uh, this new medium. I'm not used to uh, talking. I'm used to writing out everything, right? So you have to be patient with me here in this long form uh, talking thing. It's very new, very new. Well, you are our very first interview guest on the podcast, so um, we're learning as, as we go as well. But um, appreciate you joining us and. You know, we'll work our way through this, this conversation. Um, I'm joined here by Cody as well. And uh, Cody's wondering if you've dried out yet from the game. <laughs> oh, man, I'm, uh, I'm sucking on some lozenges. So, yeah, we'll see if my throat holds up too uh, today. Uh, yeah, uh, I think we're all still a little wet. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that was quite an experience, wasn't it? I mean, that this is one of those ones like that will go on uh, forever in Tiger lore. I, I, that's what I think. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think we've all been to some rainy games there, but that was one that was just like, um, you know, forever memorable for sure. And no one will be able to take away the fact that we beat Notre Dame. I know a lot of people were kind of like, oh, it would have been great if we'd blown them out. Oh, feels like a cheap win or something. But for me, you know, this is a historic win that no one will be able to, you know, go back and, and take away from us. Uh, you know, we go back to 1977 all the time and we say, hey, we should have won that game, right? We were winning the game the entire way and we should have won that game. No one will be able to do that to us for this Notre Dame game. I think that's something that we're just, uh, all of us, you know, are lucky to be a part of this. It's a historic win, and we should be enjoying it. Yeah, hey, QT, this is Cody here. Um, you know, we've won, obviously, we beat Oklahoma, we beat Ohio State, LSU. Uh, so, in, like, in recent memory, where do you think this game ranks uh, in terms of Clemson's wins over the last, what, three or four years? I think because this win is in the regular season, it's a further validation of, of what we've become as a program. I mean, the other wins are bowl games, and there's always kind of the excuse of, oh, you didn't get up for the bowl game. You didn't want to, you know, really, uh, you know, Oklahoma last year or whatever. They didn't want to be there. And those kinds of excuses. And those bowl wins kind of dissipate over the, the course of the, the you know, the, the summer. Um, and, and they don't have as much weight as, as right now, you know, we are – uh, an, a playoff contender, right? No matter what anyone says, we're one of the undefeated teams. We're a contender. We're in the national conversation. Everybody's talking about us. Everybody's writing about us. We're at the point uh, that we were at after we had beaten Georgia on game day. That, and then we let everything kind of blow up with the second game day appearance at Florida State. So, I, you know, I think this is this is a big win. Absolutely, it's a big win. And, and, uh, and Notre Dame just kind of has that weight, whether they deserve it or not. Uh, they have the national weight with a lot of kind of blue blood, Big Ten loving Midwestern uh, folks who who still have a kind of negative or uh, I, I don't know they, they they view Clemson as this kind of upstart still even though we were great in the 80s all throughout that decade uh, and and we're we're good in the 90s they still don't view us in the same way as Notre Dame Ohio State Michigan with this kind of long history. Um, so this is a big win, I think, for the program. Yeah, I, um, I mean, I grew up in the Midwest, and 
can't tell you how many texts I got congratulatory um, from fans, you know, went to Ohio State, Michigan, even like Boston College and some West Coast schools. So um, not only, you know, was it a good exposure win for Clemson, but certainly no shortage of fan bases out there that have it in for the, the Fighting Irish too. Yeah, so, absolutely. That's for sure. <laughs> you mentioned earlier there's sort of some Clemson faithful that would, would have liked to see us blow out Notre Dame. And a lot of them, from what I've been reading in comments, et cetera, want to put Notre Dame's comeback in that game at the feet of our offensive coordinators um, and our, our conservative play calling, especially in the second half. Um, would you agree with that sort of sentiment and thinking that really it's a function of our offense? Letting oh, them- man. I mean, this is a tough question. I keep going back and forth on it um, because obviously the jury is still out on Tony Elliott and Jeff Scott as the dual-headed monster offensive coordinator uh, machine. We don't know um, what they will become, right? We don't know exactly what we have with them right now. Uh, and and we don't know how they'll evolve uh, in their play calling, in their approach. Obviously, it seems like Tony Elliott is more conservative than Chad Morris. I mean, that seems to be pretty obvious. Um, and so, you know, you've got a situation where you're in the rain. You you have the lead. You're up 21 to 3 at one point. Um, and you just don't want to blow it, right? And you feel like your defense is playing really well. So I can see everyone kind of saying, hey, uh, let's give give them a break, right? Let's uh, uh, let's let them have these next few games to see what we really have, and let's reserve judgment on on who they are as offensive coordinators. But I totally, I mean, I I totally sympathize with everyone that's like up in arms and like, are you kidding me? We're we're running that same play that everyone knew was coming a second time in the game where we uh, motion out. Uh, Wayne Gallman and try to run the kind of delayed uh, quarterback sneak like everyone in the stadium knew that that was coming and so there, there are questions I think about um, our ability to be uh, to, to mix up the play calls and to not run such a conservative offense when you have you know Deshaun Watson as as the best you know quarterback that we've seen in Clemson in in you know a couple decades and potentially in all time right uh, so let's let him do his thing let's let him you know, throw the ball around. Uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm not sure where I keep going back and forth on that. Um, but I think we have to give them time uh, to develop. And we knew that there were going to be bumps in the road as they developed their own kind of identity as play callers and the offense as a whole. Um, but it's going to be really hard to watch if we can't get it together and have the same kind of productive offense. If it looks more like the mad scientist um, you know, Rob Spence days, I mean, that, that's just going to be a disaster. And, uh, you know, and, and Rob Spence absolutely wasted CJ Spiller's talent, right. All those years and the, the talent that we had, um, back there in 2006 and seven. So, um, so hopefully in Georgia tech with Georgia tech and with these other teams coming up, we'll be able to kind of figure things out and, and, uh, you know, be able to throw the ball a little bit more. So, What's your take on the offensive line up at this point? It, look, it looks like they were they did better against Notre Dame, better than I thought they would do. Uh, clearly, if you're if you know that the run's coming, everyone knows it's coming. You make us one dimensional, you can beat us. But um, are, do you find I don't know reasons for optimism from the offensive line? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, I don't know. I just uh, if you can't see that, then you haven't been watching Clemson's offensive line for the past five, eight, ten years. I mean, uh, Jay Guillermo has done much better than Ryan Norton 
ever has in run blocking, right? And and that's the that's where we've we've taken a huge step forward is in our run blocking. We're still having a, a trouble with with uh, pass blocking and handling some stunts and handling um, you know some some various exotic blitzes and things. And you saw that towards the end of the game when they started just kind of selling out against the run that we were having trouble uh, a little bit. But but uh, you know Jay at center is doing much better. His snaps. But, you know, I've got to give him credit for his snaps in the rain uh, against Notre Dame. He did a phenomenal job. Um, McLean is, is actually doing really pretty good uh, compared to what he was last year or any time in his career. And, uh, you know, Mitch Hyatt is amazing. Like, I mean, we haven't been singing his praises enough. This guy, true freshman, are you kidding me, coming in and being able to compete at that level? Uh, you know, he's been great. I mean, he, he busts very rarely. And when he does, he's still giving effort. I mean, you see him flying around and pushing the pile. We haven't had that from an offensive lineman in, in a really long time. Someone who just plays through the whistle. Um, and, you know, I'd like to see uh, Joe Gore take another step because I think he, he's able to, but he's, he's competent. And that's all we need is somebody on the right side who's going to be competent, right? Healthy and competent. Um, and he, he's done all right in, in, uh, in run blocking uh, as well. And, uh, and then you have Crowder, right? Ty, uh, Tyrone Crowder, who I, you know, I still would like to see him lose about 10, 15 pounds to be just that much more agile on the field. But he can, you know, he can, he can run block. Um, he's struggling in pass blocking still, but he can run block. So, I mean, our offensive line against Notre Dame defensive line was was absolutely, you know, give them an A. Um, they they did a great job, and hopefully against. I mean, and that's the best defensive line that we're going to see until Florida State. Um, now, and then I think that you know our ability to run block was um, aided by the kind of players that Notre Dame has Like they don't have fast, quick guys coming off the edge. And so, you know, we may struggle with our tackles a little bit more and interior, you know, uh, defensive line with, with quicker guys. But right now, you know, this is a work in project in, in uh, a work in progress and, and they're doing a great job at, as of this moment. Yeah, I totally agree with you on Mitch Hyatt. It's almost like he came in as a five star. We just expected him to be great, but like we we, had, we don't even take into account really that he's you know he's a true freshman and he's performing like this. Um, but yeah, I mean that's that's it's definitely exciting. Um, so let me pull it back up for a second. The after the Louisville game in your in your recap, you said uh, we're not a playoff team, and I agreed with you at that at that time. After after this game, do you think we're a playoff team? Holding me to my own words, what? <laughs> um, we're all about it. I, I think our schedule sets us up nicely, right? I don't think that Georgia Tech was as good as we thought that they were coming into the season. I mean, they still scare me because it's Paul Johnson and, and um, you know, it's and it's a rivalry game. And they've won times when I didn't think they had any business winning in the past. So I'm still, you know, I, I'm one of those ones who's just – uh, deathly afraid of Paul Johnson, uh, but it's at home. We should win that game. We should win every game on our schedule. You know, Florida State is going to be a tough challenge, um, but you know we have them at home again. And I'm I'm not afraid of going to uh, the University of South Carolina Junior and uh, and playing them. You know, I I don't think there's anybody on our schedule that we shouldn't beat. So NC State on the road, sure, that's going to be a trap game. Miami, I, I don't even think that's a trap game, hardly. Um, that we should be able to blow them out of the water. So, yeah, I do think that we're a playoff team just because we're going to go undefeated, just because we have the capacity to go undefeated because of our schedule. Now, I don't think that we necessarily match up with some of the other 
really great teams right now out there. I mean, I don't think that there's any team that's that's um, not really highly flawed this year and couldn't lose a game. But, you know, a Baylor scares me. TCU, even though they've been kind of up and down when they're completely healthy and ready to go, they, they scare me. Um, some, of the, some of the other teams scare me as playoff teams, but I think that we belong in that conversation. I, I do think that we're developing into a playoff team if we can stay healthy. So that caveat on that offensive line is, we look great right now. We're a work in progress now. But if anyone gets injured, then it gets scary. So, and I think we can do that a lot of different position groups across the board. So right now, yes. Short answer, yes, we're a playoff team. Great to hear. And I think we agree with you. I think um, <laughs> coming into this matchup, you know, looking ahead where we were rankings-wise, um, I don't know that we necessarily felt that we were we belonged in, like, the top four conversation. Um, I feel like after this win, and also just looking at our contemporaries across the country, you know, Ohio State's been struggling. There's just across the board. I think there's been there's weakness there. And, Man, how do they look so bad? They have so much talent. I, I'm I'm amazed at how bad that they've looked. Cardell Jones just is, looks lost. I mean, he looks sloppy um, as a quarterback. Is cultural and coaching, to be honest. Like I think the the rigmarole or the circus going on with the quarterback thing has permeated that team and. Yeah. How are they dealing with a national title hangover? But um, anyway, I think, you know, now that we consider the losses across the landscape of college football, like I do think that we are definitely in that conversation. Absolutely. Um, I guess the one thing that um, maybe our doubters out there are expecting or, or might be looking for is everyone's favorite verb around here, uh, Clemsoning. It's something that I think is being misused, overused, completely sick of it. If you go back and look at the original – sort of definition, if you will. Mm -hmm. I think our team, really, the past few years has been anything but the team that Clemson's, if, if you want to use it as a verb. Um, what's kind of your your read on this Clemsoning thing? Uh, I don't even know what that word word is. I just strip it from the vocabulary. Don't even respond to it. Don't even – I mean, I, I'm sick of reading every single national writer have to use that in their narrative that they're writing about about Clemson, either either to defend it or to uh, uh, you know, no, most people aren't defending it right now, but it it, it gets brought up. Like I just read a piece from uh, Mike, you know, uh, Sap to FSU and with for rivals Farrell, whatever, who who had to invoke Clemsoning again. Like it's like this backhanded compliment that they they aren't like talking about Clemsoning as a real thing. I, I, it just drives me crazy that it's still a part of this this narrative. It's sloppy. It's uh, it's has nothing to do with the past five years. Um, and you could say that, I mean, we, we all know this and we all keep saying this to each other. You could say this about Georgia for crying out loud about USC about, I mean, even about Oregon, right? This year they're pulling a, an a Oregon, whatever. I don't know. Every team um, has these kind of letdowns in, in big games in the past four years, we've only lost to, to teams that have been ranked in the AP top 10s. Like, give me a break. Uh, we, you know, we, we, we screwed up at the orange bowl, right? I mean, that's the last moment where I think you could actually point to something as Clemsoning, right? Um, I, I use my fingers there. Uh, and, uh, and, and maybe you could say, Hey, you know, we, we were on a national stage with the game day in 2013 against Florida state and we bombed. Well, you know, they were the national champions, right? I mean, they won the national championship and they blew us out on our home turf. That, that happened to a lot of teams that year, right? Uh, that's what's supposed to happen when you're the national champion. So, you know, I don't, I, I hope that it will finally go away. I hope that it, it 
isn't part of this kind of easy narrative that keeps getting invoked whenever anyone talks about Clemson. Let's just like flush it out of our systems and, and get rid of it. And, you know, ESPN folks are finally starting to, to move away from it, um, you know, when they broadcast uh, nationally. But, oh, God, it's about time that we get rid of this. And I think it'll, it will subside and go away the more we give them something else to work with, something else to talk about, um, which is beating all the marquee programs we have, winning very much the games that we should. We've got an incredible record against unranked teams. Um, so pretty much we've been taking care of business, continue to do that, and you know, hopefully this thing goes away. Yeah, but uh, you know, it's almost like people will only let it go away if we win a national title. And that's what I was reading on this, this Rivals Guys site. And that's, that's just ridiculous. That's, you know, that's asinine. It's like, give me a break that, you know, the one team wins the national championship each year. Um, I, I, my hope is that if we're in at least the conversation about the playoff all the way through the season, that, it, it, that it'll finally dry up. Um, but, you know, I get it on Twitter from opposing fans and, and of, of, you know, uneducated uh fan bases mostly usc junior uh and and they still want to talk about clemson it's like wow that you know how tommy bowden of you right that that was 10 years ago give me a break yeah no, i i totally agree i but i, I also agree too i think feel like espn's kind of coming around you know from a lot of the things that i read i feel like they're finally giving us a little bit more credit and i don't know what that is i don't know like what their underlying you know cause is but I, I'm, I think I'm glad just to see, see us kind of get past it. Um, question for you about, like, going back to the team. Um, kind of worried about – well, actually, let me take it a step back. Our defense has looked incredible, just, like, blown me away this year. Are, are you surprised at all about how, how well they played so far? I am surprised at how well our interior defensive tackles have played, yes. Uh, Pagano has been amazing with pushing the pocket. I think he's going to have a huge game against Georgia Tech. Um, he's really stepped up over the summer um, from where he was last year to this year. He is not moving. You know, they are not pushing him back. Um, you know, I think Carlos Watkins uh, showed us that he has another gear to go. And there were a few points in the Notre Dame game, I'm, uh, you know, apart from just – uh, the stop at the end where he was able to dominate and take over. And in the, the you know, the, the previous games, you know, he kind of had been up and down and, uh, and he's really starting to come into his own and Christian Wilkins. Oh man, war daddy, you know, he's causing fumbles. He, he hits you with authority. Um, just, you know, pushing the pocket, uh, everything that we thought he would be as a true freshman, man, what, what a war daddy. He's just been a breast of fresh air. And we're, I mean, we're doing all of that without our, our, you know, DJ reader who should have been the starter. So I've just been amazed, um, at how well the interior defensive line has played definitely exceeding expectations. No one has been able to run on us. And I don't see anyone on our schedule being able to run on us throughout the entire season. Um, and, you know, our defensive ends, Dodd has really stepped up. I was really critical of him uh, and, and questioned whether he'd be able to set the edge, and, and he's been able to do that uh, consistently. And Lawson has been an animal, man. You know, Lawson has been uh, pass rush and, you know, against the run, and, and he's going to go to the NFL next year, I mean, because he's putting in such, such you know, kind of a first-round uh, kind of performance so far. I, I don't think – and, um, and this is where I think we're going to run into some problems in the future. I don't think we have as good of a pass rush um, as, as we could or as we've had in the past. Um, or we have a good pass rush in the first half and then the guys get a bit gassed 
um, towards the end. We don't have the depth at defensive end that we should have. And, you know, it's good to see Austin Bryant playing some snaps, and he's, he's been serviceable. He's been pretty good for a true freshman as well. Uh, he needs to continue to come along. Um, but we really miss Ebo, uh, and we really miss, you know, Richard Yergin kind of stepping up and, and filling a, a role as a pass rush specialist. We just don't have anybody that can really get to the, uh, the quarterback. So that's one little caveat there. Every, I mean, our secondary has been solid, and our linebacker play has also been solid. I mean, we can poke holes in those things, and maybe as we continue to talk um, – We'll do that. But, you know, there, there's reasons to be concerned. Um, at the end of the game, I think we saw some of those uh, kind of uh, possibilities for our defense being exposed at, at certain points. But, man, I mean, you know, Curse is amazing. Curse is the best safety I've seen at Clemson uh, in, uh, in forever. I mean, it's really hard, I think, to think of a, a more physical and just kind of imposing safety. And TJ Green has really stepped up. When you, you look at where they were last year, when you look at where Curse was last year and the year before, busting on, on plays and things, that just is not happening anymore. Any of the busts that we saw uh, against Notre Dame really weren't on uh, Curse or Green all that much, more on blanks. Um, and uh, in that nickel spot, so or on the linebackers not being able to cover in the flats, uh, or the running back coming out of the the backfield. So yeah, I've been really impressed, um, especially against the run. I mean, we we just are not letting anybody run on us, and that allows us to press and and do a you know pr- use all these exotic blitzes. And you know, Venables is able to do a bunch of things because we're stopping people on first down, and then. You know, Mac Alexander, my favorite player pretty much in the world right now, is able to man up on their best wide receiver and shadow him around the field. And, you know, and and that basically shuts down an offense uh, to a great extent. You have to kind of pick on the uh, the second or third uh, wide receiver. Tankersley has stepped up, man. Tank is playing really well, even though, you know, he kind of pulls and tugs and should get a few flags on him. He, he's playing tough. Um and uh, and his defending passes better than he was in the summer even. Yeah, I think he's surprised even the coaching staff uh, to a certain degree. So I'll, I'll leave it there. I think, yes, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm impressed with the defense, and I'm, I think they're just going to continue to get better. I think we're on the same page here. And um, when we sort of look ahead at our schedule, I'm not really sure which offenses stand out as going to challenge even, even those standard weak spots that you talked about. Yeah. Uh, certainly, I mean, if – Florida State is able to turn it around and get every Golson um, more involved, et cetera. Maybe they're, they're one to look for, but um, short of a huge letdown game by, by this defense, I think we should probably be the overmatched uh, group going up against any of these other offenses. Yeah, I mean, we looked good against the triple option. We shut down Wofford, and I think it was a good prime, you know, set the stage for what we're going to do against Georgia Tech. Boston College doesn't have any kind of, you know, uh, ability to, to pass the ball right now. I mean, they just, trying to run and trying to hang on with that offensive line that's they're retooling. Um, you know, Miami is, is an up and I mean, they're just kind of up and down and they don't have an identity. I think we'll be able to stop them pretty easily. Uh, and NC state, uh, you know, all the hype in the preseason, but they weren't able to run on Louisville at all. Right. They had like 50 yards or something total in the entire game. So, yeah, I mean, you know, Florida state will present some challenges. I think if, if cook is, is healthy, but, Apart from them, I, I don't see anybody that's going to give us many challenges. Yeah, I, I think I agree. Um, so yeah, I've got to ask you about recruiting. I, I actually had like four questions ready for you, but I'm only going to ask one since it's, you know, it's football season. 
Um, you talk, yeah, you talk about like your your man crushes. I don't know if you say like man crushes or like recruit crushes. Yes, man crushes. I, I'm not afraid to say it. Yes, absolutely. So you had Deion Kane and Ray Ray McLeod from last year, and I guess maybe Christian Wilkins. But um, who who is your guy for the two, 2016 class that um, I guess that that's not committed to Clemson, but would be that guy? Yeah, and I'll, and I'll tell you who mine is once you're done. All right. Well, and I would add too that. I picked out Ray Ray and Dion before anyone had them on Clemson's radar, right? I, but we, we were able to identify them as the targets that Clemson should be going after as man crushes right before any of the uh, other services or anything kind of said that Clemson was in the mix or anything. So I'm proud of our man crushes, and I'm glad that they're doing I, – I think that the offense will continue to expand as the, the, and, and get more explosive as the roles of Deion Kane and Ray Ray McLeod continue to expand. I mean, they're, they are dynamite and they're just going to kind of get better. So this year, you know, um, it's Dexter Lawrence, man. I mean, he is, uh, he is an amazing player. He's, he's actually set an official visit for Florida state. Um, he, he just blows things up. Uh, you know, this is not going to be eloquent, but he, he's just a, a force in the middle um, against the run, against the pass. He, he gets the he, – I mean, he, he doesn't get to the quarterback. He just kind of like pushes other offensive linemen out of the way, parts the Red Sea, and then jumps on the uh, opposing quarterback. He's If you've seen his film or if you've seen him live uh, in the game, he's an amazing specimen. Uh, plays with great leverage, pad length, uh, pad uh, uh, leverage, and, and all of that. I mean, they, there's just nothing not to like about Dexter Lawrence. So, yeah, I mean, he, he I think I, – and, and I love Feaster. It's kind of like it, he's almost taken for granted. But Feaster is going to be playing next year as a true freshman. Feaster is going to be just explosive. I mean, you know, you hate to, like, say, oh, he's going to be like C.J. Spiller or something like that. Um, but he has that kind of – speed like football speed too uh he can you know come out of the backfield and catch passes right and cj just caught that uh 80 yard ball to win the game uh for the saints and i think you'll see the same kind of uh ability from feaster to kind of you know hit those uh long uh passes coming out of the backfield right um so feaster is definitely someone that's kind of being overlooked because he has been committed for so long but he will be a dynamite addition to the offense next year and and play a role i think as a true freshman um and on on defense it's it's definitely dexter lawrence and you know he nobody can predict what dexter lawrence is going to do because he just has no care for the recruiting process or talking to anyone or anything but we have as good a shot as anyone else in the country at landing dexter lawrence um nc state and state north carolina they're pushing hard i mean they're pushing as as hard as anyone can push especially nc state uh, and he's been there to nc state's campus a bunch of times and ohio state just got involved too um they're going to try and bring him in for an official visit um but if things go right you know he that first visit with dexter lawrence went really well uh, he made a good connection with Venables. He made a good connection to the Clemson Tiger community um, with from people that I spoke to who who ran into them, who met them, who talked to them. Um, so, you know, I would look for, for that uh, possibility. Uh, you know, I think that's a very real possibility. Rashawn Gary, of course, uh, I, you know, I, I, it's a very long shot to be able to land him. He's, he's an amazing player too. I, you know, I think Michigan ultimately will, will grab him um, or some Michigan or Ohio state. Um, 
but uh, Dexter Lawrence is a very real possibility that everyone should be very excited about. Yeah, that's actually Dexter Lawrence is my guy, but oh, I mean, I guess, that, that's no secret, though. Right? I guess we all kind of know that at this point. Um, but I think, I think Dad, Dad, not only is he like the wrecking ball, like as like the athleticism that Christian Wilkins has, he's equally as disrupted from like just a strength and you know just being a wrecking ball type standpoint. And I think the reason we we lick our lips a little bit is because it, like to think of those two guys playing together for the next I don't know like two years, three years, whatever it would be. Two. Uh, yeah. Yeah, very. It's very exciting. Oh man, I mean, you, you put Wilkins next to Lawrence. I mean, that's that's a championship caliber. Like we we would be fielding a defense that was you know kind of 1989, 1990, 91 level. Like we're talking historically good. And if we could magically get Shaq Lawson to stay and uh, Curse to say, stay and and Alexander to stay, then I mean that's a historically good defense right there that I don't, you know, I don't know if we've ever seen as good a defense if, if that would were to be the case, if they were all. You, you want me to give you a few uh, recruiting updates and, and little tidbits here while I'm, while I'm talking? Yeah, we're all ears. Please do. Um, so, and, and this is hard for me because usually like when I'm writing, I can be like nuanced and now I'm like talking and going on record, but I, I realize I haven't been dropping as many nuggets uh, for people or, you know, giving as many uh, updates for people. So I might as well do some now. Um, so DeAndre Overton was uh, at the game, right? He's the tall wide receiver that's uh, six foot five-ish. Uh, and uh, and he's kind of the last wide receiver um, uh, prospect that we're really trying to, to get. Um, and, and kind of an elite level, like caliber talent. Uh, and he has kind of been swayed by Tennessee. But uh, from what I've heard, that's kind of dissipated, especially with Tennessee's kind of awful, uh, not kind of, just awful season with, with Butch really uh, sinking fast. I, how in the world do you have Josh Malone and, uh, and, and that wide receiver talent and you're not completing any passes to anyone. It's just, it's a travesty is what it is. Um, Overton seems to be trending very heavily towards Clemson is, is I guess what I'll say. And, and big uh, John Simpson, the offensive lineman um, from uh, South Carolina was supposed to be there at, at Clemson for the game, wasn't able to come because of the rain. Um, But our main competition is South Carolina. And with their season, that competition slowly going away and so i i feel confident in saying that both of those guys are kind of trending uh heavily continue to trend heavily towards us uh moving forward um the the uh clemson's going to take a fourth offensive lineman um uh, this is what i i think will happen i think we'll take a fourth offensive lineman it looks like it's going to be Cade stewart the the uh, local prospect out of daniel um i you know we've we've kind of been slow playing it a little bit, but I think eventually we'll, uh, we'll grab him, uh, for that fourth spot, which is kind of tough because we, we've really tried to land. I mean, this is offensive line has been the hardest position for us to kind of grab. Uh, we've, we've struck out on a lot of prospects more than I think we've struck out on a positional group in the last like three years. Um, but, but you know, they're, they're quality talent. Um, but not kind of like, you know, Mitch Hyatt, Jake from Morgan kind of level uh, talent. But but John Simpson is a big piece of the puzzle on the offensive line moving forward. I think he'll be a great uh, interior player for us. And then a cornerback is, is kind of 
Um, we, we keep waffling on whether we want a safety or a cornerback and we're kind of letting the board expand and kind of waiting. And I think it's a smart thing to do. We have Troy pride, um, uh, uh Troy pride at, uh, at Greer, uh, high school who, uh, is trending heavily. I mean, we, we've gone to his game. We've kind of looked at him a, a lot closer. Osborne is still a possibility. He's a ten- Tennessee commitment and JJ Gibbons is at, uh, uh, USC junior kind of, um, you know, we'll wait to see if he jumps ship from that, you know, Titanic that's about ready to hit an iceberg. Right. Um, and, uh, and so the cornerback board and safety board continues to expand. The other person that we'll probably take is, uh, Hopper. Uh, he's a wide receiver that the staff fell in love with over the, the summer. Um, and so, you know, I'm not going to beat the dead horse right now, but we're probably going to find room for another wide receiver commit because we like the idea of having a glue guy. Um, and we think that having a glue guy, I mean, you know, you look at Hunter Renfro and you, and there's some logic to this. He's just absolutely killing it. Uh, and, and, you know, Hunter was a guy that we said, Hey, you know, walk on, that's awesome. Uh, scholarship, but you know, we should have even said, Hey, let's give him a real scholarship off the bat. He was a, he was a, uh, a quarterback in high school and just was too small and too, too, not too short, but you know, he, he didn't have the measurables that anybody was looking for, but man, he's just kind of blowing it up. So give the benefit of the doubt for the, uh, for the staff, but it's sure hard to see us kind of like not go after Tony Clayton and, and others. You know, I think we still need another defensive end really next year to improve the depth there. Um, but we, we will probably, I mean, don't be surprised if we, if we go after Hopper and, and I mean, we'll try to get him as a walk on, or as a gray shirt, but uh, I, I think we'll, we'll find us find a way to, to give him a scholarship in the end. There you go. Some, some nuggets and things. Good stuff. You heard it here first, everyone. <laughs> so I think we'll, we'll probably wrap up with just one last thought um, keeping it maybe with the 2015 team. Is there really a lasting area for improvement? Do you like to see either our coaching staff or players kind of correct or, or improve to get us ready for what we hope is a, an undefeated season as we head into a playoff against um, really the, the heavies across the national landscape. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the spot that we have to figure out uh, on defense is uh, the nickel spot the nickel Sam spot. I mean, we've used blanks, um, but you know, he's, he's lost the step, I think uh, in, in terms of quickness and explosiveness, he's good against the run, maybe not great against the pass. Oh, Daniel still isn't getting in there as much as, as we'd like Carter, uh, has played all right in the nickel spot, um, but you know he's got limitations uh, in terms of height and other things. Um, and uh, what we did against Notre Dame um, a lot more is bring in Jadar Johnson and then kind of like have Curse come up in the box uh, in in more of a I don't know what what like dime package. Um, so that's a position that that I think we need to figure out because. The linebackers are really good at blitzing. Um, they're really good at uh, at kind of uh, covering, uh, you know, when they're attacking and filling run gaps and all those things. But if they're having to play and drop back a little bit, like like Bulware played really good against Oklahoma. So I think they have it in them to be able to do that. But we've got to tighten that up. Um, Goodson, you know, and Bulware don't have the quickness kind of sideline to sideline that Stefan Anthony had that, that Stewart had, um, last year, and they're going to play the entire game, right? There is no one behind them that is going to, you know, 
give them snaps. So they're going to get gassed as the season progresses. They're going to get gassed as, as games progress. Um, so we have to protect them uh, and figure out kind of what to do uh, in, in that nickel Sam spot. And that's where the loss of Wiggins, I think, is, is the biggest loss of the offseason, uh, really, um, as we're looking at the team. And the other thing is uh, that we need to fix is obviously a wide receiver, getting Deion Kane more time, getting him more snaps, um, continuing to integrate Ray Ray McLeod into the, the game plan and figuring out what we want to do with Sean Peak. I mean, he may be the biggest, I think, disappointment of the season so far. Um, you know, he's had two balls where um, he hasn't really contested in the same way that a Mike Williams would have. Um, and, uh, you know, with that, that pass, right, you could say uh, it wasn't his fault with the interception. But in my mind, you know, with those jump balls, you have to go up and high point the ball. I mean, that's your job as, as the receiver. So it was thrown short. I mean, that, that to me isn't a good excuse. Um, you shouldn't, he, he shouldn't have been kind of like falling back on that play. He should have jumped up and, and challenged for the ball. And so his inability to kind of be more aggressive and take that next step into being a, a kind of alpha uh, number one wide receiver um, I think will limit the offense because he has the speed, he has the, the height, the, the, the size, um, he has all the intangibles. It's just kind of developing that mentality. So my hope is with Georgia Tech, with other teams, as we start to blow them out, that he'll, he'll develop that, right? Because Bryant last year didn't even have that at the beginning of the season. He was able to progress as the season went along and really develop into that number one, one threat. Yeah. And Scott, I think, is great. Uh, but, you know, he's going to struggle in some of those 50-50 balls. Um, so Deion Kane's got to take a bigger, bigger role in the offense. Yeah, and I think, I mean um... – we know that Clemson's gotten the moniker WRU, not only from our recruiting. It's not just about getting the right talent in. It's about the development mm-hmm. and play calling and finding how to get the most out of this talent. And I think that's what we really need to see. And I'm confident we'll get there with, you know, Jeff Scott's coaching ability and um, Tony Elliott knowing the capabilities of these guys. But I think now's the time. Like, let's, let's get Sharon Peak activated. And if he's not the guy, you know, let's figure out who is. And right, right. Is it Thompson? Is it Thompson behind him, or, or maybe he needs to move back to the five uh, and and just run and go with with Kane and Thompson at the nine and kind of uh, you know take our lumps with developing those guys at that at that spot. But but the nine is like the premier kind of position, right? Yeah. And that's that's what really stretches the field. That's what um, really opens up a lot of the other. Uh, uh, things in our offense, right? It opens up possibilities for the two jet sweeps and short screens and things because people are worried about getting burned on the back end. So you, and, and it opens up the running game even further, um, which is something, you know, we need as the season continues. I mean, I've been really impressed with Wayne Gallman and I'm really glad that Brooks got more, more touches yesterday. And, and hopefully Brooks will be the number two guy going forward because I think those two could really, uh, uh, you know, be nice pieces for us moving forward. Um, but, but we need, we need that nine uh, wide receiver to really open everything up. Yeah. And the door's still open for a Mike Williams return. I don't think, I mean, unless you have any information um, that we don't, but no one. I mean, I, yeah. And I, there's a lot of debate on this too, right? Um, on the one hand, he's going to be medically cleared and it, it isn't a spinal cord injury from, from what I understand. Um, and so the bone will be fully healed. He'll be cleared to play. But everybody, you know, with a neck injury is going to be like, oh, just wait. Um, and recently, you know, he's popped up as like the number one wide receiver on some, you know, re- uh, draft boards and things. So uh, 
his family, I think, uh, from what I've been told, wants wants him to stay for for next year. You know, wait and everything. But you know, he's a competitor, man, and he he wants to play. Um, so if Clemson is undefeated going into like bowl practice or something, I I, I don't know. I don't know what uh, what everyone's kind of feelings will be at that point, right? It's easy right now to say, oh, you know, he shouldn't be there and la, 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 la. But then, you know, when we're, we're that close to a national championship and Mike Williams is uh, maybe that last piece of the puzzle, then, you know, it becomes much harder just to say, oh, don't, don't forget it. But, of course, I mean, the number one thing should be his health, right? I mean, we're all being selfish fans. If we want him to return and there's any possibility that uh, he could get injured again. Um, but, you know, and then the other question is how much conditioning can he do well, with this with this injury so i yeah i don't know i don't know uh what the answer is cool well um hey we thank you so much for joining us um really means a lot to have you on the podcast here you know great insight as always um, <laughs> and for those listening you guys must all know who Kraken tiger is but if not be sure and check him out on shaking the southland um the thing that i've enjoyed this season as always, is your just instant reactions post game. <laughs> You've been riding the highs, and to get get in there and see you guys immediately break break this stuff down is great. The uh, the community is far too nice to me, and I and I definitely don't deserve it. Thanks for letting me kind of blabber on here in this new new form. I'll uh, I'll try to to work on uh, brevity and uh, and better talking points in the future. <laughs> well, great stuff, and uh, we'd love to have you on later on in the season. So have you on again. Sounds great. Thanks again, guys. Absolutely. Thank you. Take care.